Hang time headlines, beautiful Sunday afternoon, got a great slate of football games today. No John, no Drew, just me, your host Lucas Schwally. Gonna mix it up a little this week. Instead of going through each game and giving you my thoughts, I'm gonna do a little deep dive. Patriots Chargers preview. I'll give you my opinion pregame on the matchup, record some reactions while I'm watching the game, and then do a little post-game wrap-up. Patriots are 5-6, and six, Chargers are 3-8, and eight, a must-win for the Patriots if they want to stay in playoff contention, got to get back to 500, 6-6, six six. all of a sudden the path might exist to the playoffs. On the other side, Chargers really not in playoff contention, just trying to build towards next year. Justin Herbert has been phenomenal, 23 touchdowns, 7 picks. Going into this year, a lot of people were worried about the Chargers' move to L.A. Would they become completely irrelevant? Especially because they're sharing a stadium with the Rams, who have had a lot of hype over the last couple years. They got Goff, young coach, and McVay. The Chargers, people have really just been wondering what their direction is. And Herbert having this good a year has been huge for Los Angeles, for Spanos, for the Chargers organization, because they have some potential. They have a future. There's some direction. They know where they're going. And maybe Anthony Lynn isn't the right coach for that, but the quarterback is key. And I bet you anyone in the Chargers organization going into this year, if they knew the end result would be that Herbert has looked the way he has, developed into the quarterback that we're starting to see today, showing these flashes of great potential, I think anybody within that organization would take that, 3-8 and eight record aside. The Chargers run a cover 3 zone under Anthony Lynn. A big issue with the Chargers zone is that they're 22nd in sacks right now. This is huge because it's really hard to run a cover three zone when the defense is not getting pressure after the quarterback. That means the QB can stand in the pocket all day and pick your zone apart. You need a good pass rush to effectively run a cover three zone. Another great example of this is the Seahawks. In the last three weeks, they're first in the league in sacks. Since they've had Jamal Adams healthy and they've got Carlos Dunlap in a trade, all of a sudden the defense is playing well, they're getting after the quarterback. Seattle is not looking like a team that's going to allow 40 points a week. The Chargers... Well, they're 22nd in the league in sacks, and the last time they made the playoffs was 2018-2019 when they were middle of the league in sacks. Think back to this 2018 year. The Patriots played them twice, actually. The first matchup, they won 21-13. Melvin Gordon started off the game with like an 80-plus yard run. So after that run, it was a 21-6 game. Patriots offense picked them apart, and... It's really hard to run a zone against Tom Brady. Coming out of that matchup, a lot of the media was questioning Anthony Lynn, and they were like, how do you not make any adjustments? You see Brady picking apart your zone in the first half, and you don't switch it up. They ended up meeting again in the playoffs, where the Patriots ran over them. 41-28, 14 of those points for the Chargers came in garbage time. This just goes to show that the cover three zone has its limitations. You need a really good pass rush. And even then, a good quarterback can still pick you apart. Cam Newton, think about when he played the Seahawks earlier this year. He had a great passing day. He was able to rip apart their zone. And a big part of that was because the Seahawks could not get a pass rush against them. They didn't sack them all that much. The key thing for the Chargers today is going to be to get after Cam Newton and not give him time to pick apart the cover three zone. A big issue you've seen with Anthony Lynn is this lack of ability to make adjustments. In life, I mean, you've got to make adjustments based on the feedback you get from others. If I take a test and I get an F, and I know that same material is gonna be on the final, I should probably study it and approach it in a different way. So 
if the Chargers get lit up in this first half and you see Cam Newton throwing the ball all over them, Patriots offensively are just moving the ball up and down the field, just look in the second half, see what Anthony Lynn does, because my biggest issue with Lynn is that in a situation like this, he seems to often just roll out the same game plan that he did in the first half and the Chargers end up losing another close game. Cam Newton last week, he was brutal. 84 yards, 50% completion, no touchdowns, two picks, 23.6 rating. They got the win against the Cardinals. And this is what struck me is I think the national TV versus the local headlines. Nationally, all I'm seeing is highlights of the Nick Folk 50-yard field goal. We, the Patriots, beat the Cardinals. Everyone is on this Kyler Murray bandwagon. I don't think a lot of people actually watched the 10 a.m. Cardinals-Patriots game because Newton was flat-out awful. This was a game the Patriots did not deserve to win. I mean, the only reason they were even set up for that late field goal was because of an Isaiah Simmons penalty, which was highly questionable. I'm not going to get into it, but this just goes to show that even when the Patriots get horrible quarterback play, Bill is still a good enough coach where the Patriots will come out on top in these types of games, not because they win them, but because the other team loses them. Be that as it may, though, Cam Newton, fourth passing touchdowns, nine interceptions. He does have nine rushing touchdowns, but that's just not going to get it done. Patriots quarterbacks on the year, 14 touchdowns, 17 turnovers through 11 games. That's like 20 touchdowns and 25 turnovers on the year. They were 4-5 and five in the last nine games with Brady down the stretch last year. They're 5-6 and six with Newton up to this point. If you weren't happy with Brady's play and you didn't want to have him back, doesn't that kind of mean it's time to move on from Cam? This offense for the Patriots is like the Bucks last year with Jameis Winston. There's just no weapons. So instead of 30 touchdowns and 35 turnovers or whatever it was, you got 20 touchdowns, 25 picks, and just a lack of any explosiveness. It's the perfect week to give Stidham some action. You're out in L.A., it's the first of two games. They're playing the Rams the following week. I think they're even staying in Los Angeles because it doesn't make sense to fly out to L.A. to play the Chargers, then fly back to Boston to practice for a couple days, and then fly back out to L.A. to play the Rams, especially when the NFL is putting these protocols for the Monday and Tuesday following game days where you have to be Zoom. I mean, at that point, you're getting two days of practice in Boston. You might as well just stay in Los Angeles. So it is the perfect situation to get Stidham some action because you're away from home. Cam Newton's been on the injury report, and even if Stidham plays poorly in this game, it doesn't really matter because you just don't start him next week against the Rams. You bring out Cam Newton, and when the Patriots come back to Boston, the storyline will be Cam Newton against the Rams. It won't be what Stidham did against the Chargers. Either way, Bill Belichick's in a very tough situation. Based on what we've seen so far, Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, neither of them are that good. It doesn't really matter which quarterback he ends up playing because you're still going to need a good team around him. They're going to need some wide receivers to throw to. They're going to need more than a heaping pile of garbage at tight end. They're going to need some linebackers who aren't terrible. Final thing I want to touch on going into this game is the path, the playoff path. It's been a big local headline, Boston radio. Can the Patriots make the playoffs? Ultimately, I think you're going to need an 18 playoff for the Patriots to have any chance, which means the NFL is going to have to expand the playoffs because one of their teams can't play due to COVID. And it kind of looks like the NFL is just going to simply push through coronavirus at this point. I mean, the Broncos last week played a game with no QBs. The Ravens were essentially fielding an NFL JV team of backups for a Wednesday afternoon football game. It's been a mess over the last week, but the NFL has kind of said, we don't care, we're pushing through it, 
we need to get to the playoffs. We need to stay on time. We're not moving the Super Bowl. We're not expanding the playoffs. Let's get these games in. It reminds me of when I was younger playing baseball. We had this coach, Rafi, and he really neglected all of the elements. I mean, we would run stairs in the rain. There was one game where there were these trees about a mile away, and we lost. And he said, run to the trees and back. We had to do it four or five times. We would do push-ups till we couldn't anymore. And while we got in better shape, it kind of resulted in us competing at a lower level. After weeks of nonstop training, we'd be dead-legged in games. We didn't win many games, but long-term, we were all better players. We all trained harder. We understood the work that you had to put in. And this is similar to the football quality right now, where the NFL is making a short-term sacrifice for a long-term quality. They've already expanded the playoffs to seven. There's only one bye. They don't want sloppy matchups in the first round. So, you know, maybe you sacrifice a Ravens-Steelers game or a Broncos-Saints game to have a higher level of football in the playoffs. You don't want sloppy first-round matchups. Is it really going to be that interesting for any fan to watch, you know, the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Saints run over a team in the first round? So if the Patriots want any chance of making the playoffs, they're going to need something crazy to happen with COVID, which... Fortunately for them, it looks like even in a crazy coronavirus outbreak, the NFL might just plow through it. Patriots need to go 5-0, 4-1 down the stretch to finish 10-6, 9-7, and, and, and really have any chance to make the playoffs. This means you got to win out, or maybe you can lose to the Rams and beat the Chargers, Dolphins, Jets, and Bills. Currently, there's five teams ahead of the Patriots for these wildcard spots, not including the division winners. So you're going to need three of these five teams ahead of them to really poop their pants in various degrees. It's not impossible, but it's not probable. Dolphins would need to go 2-3. and three. Raiders would need to go 3-2. and two. Browns finish up 1-4. and four. Colts finish up 2-3. and three. And the Ravens finish 3-2. and two. So if three of those five outcomes happen, that means the Patriots can sneak in as the playoffs are currently constituted. An 18 playoff would mean that only two of those five teams would have to fall off a cliff, but either way, it doesn't look that probable. Still a huge matchup, though, because a loss today, and it's over. You're 5-7, and seven, you're not making the playoffs, probably need to switch to sit or at least evaluate your other options going into next year. Questions are going to come up again, especially if Newton has another bad day, or is he the future? You've gotten to Week 12, Week 13, and we still haven't really seen vast improvements from Cam Newton. What are you doing here, Bill? Whereas if you win, Pats are 6-6. Six and six. Buccaneers are on a bye at 7-5 and five right now. Patriots win today? Would you rather be Brady on the Bucks in 7-5 and five, or the Patriots at 6-6? Six and six? Kind of feels like a win today, and for a week or two, the conversation will shift to, did Bill Belichick win the Brady split up? Hang time. A good opening first drive by the Patriots. Marched the ball right down the field. Kind of what we've seen all year, though. Three passes, 13 plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Three passes. You know, they ran the ball 10 times. Cam Newton... Got himself in the end zone, even though his first touchdown was reviewed and called back. However, he also had five carries on that first drive. Let's not get crazy here. Cam Newton's not going to run the ball 20 times in the game. Good start for the Pats. I think they've scored on about two of their opening drives of the season this year. Chargers got the ball back. Herbert looks good. Put him in decent field position. Badgley comes out for the 50-yard field goal. Misses his ninth of the year. This is the Chargers' 12th game. That's unacceptable. From Young Wei Koo, who's actually now pretty decent on the Falcons, to Badgley, to whoever else the Chargers have at kicker, 
I feel like they're always missing someone at that position, and it's probably why they lose a lot of close games. Another bad special teams error by the Chargers. Gunnar Olszewski punt return for a touchdown, pats up 14-0. Big for a couple of reasons. One, Patriots special teams has been pretty bad all year. They put in Dante Moncrief last week on the kick returns because they just weren't getting enough out of Gunnar. And to see him finally come through in a big moment is huge. He had actually had one previous return for a touchdown, but it was called back for a penalty. So really nice to see him get in for the score. On the other hand, the setup and the play design from a special teams point was really interesting. The Patriots had their classic special teams formation lined up, but you knew something was tricky when they brought everybody in and all of a sudden they were rushing the punt. That meant the Chargers, instead of leaving their gunners on the outside, they also brought everybody inside. And all of a sudden, instead of rushing the punt, the Patriots went back for a punt return. Gunnar Olszewski wasn't touched for 20 to 30 yards. I mean, he got a full head of steam, and then only the kicker was left. So just a beautiful play design, really faked the Chargers out. They thought they were coming full gung-ho for the block, and instead they went back for a kick return. And 14-0, don't count the Chargers out yet, though, because Herbert can play, and still a lot of ball game left. Patriots just marched down the field again, 21-0, going into half. They've just absolutely dominated the Chargers. Really no signs of life for the Chargers offense. Defense, still not switching up that zone. I like the Chargers to make things competitive, but at the same time, if they keep running this defense, Pats are gonna run up 40 on them. Special teams has been terrible for the Chargers. Herbert just has been bottled up. Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks, he seems to always find a way to just shut him down. I mean, even if it's not for the full game, he comes out with a game plan that just stifles these rookies. They just can't seem to get it done against Bill for whatever reason, barring Lamar Jackson. He might be the only one who's had really early success against the Patriots. Big drive for the Chargers here with about 45 seconds left in the half just to try and, you know, muster up a score, get some momentum going into the half. Chargers are fighting for the playoffs. If they lose today, they're officially eliminated, and while no one expects them to make the playoffs, I was thinking they were going to come out with a little more energy and not just put up a donut. Chargers move the ball down the field. Michael Badgley coming out, 58-yarder. Absolutely no shot he puts this through. Doubt if it's even anywhere close. Remember, he missed a field goal earlier in the game. Honestly, would have tried the Hail Mary. There's the block. Knew something bad was going to happen. Pats on the return. That's a touchdown. Good night, Chargers. Their special teams have been horrible. You knew this was going to be a disastrous result. Oh my god, that was so bad. Michael Badgley, Chargers, Anthony Lynn, why do you even try that? What's to gain down 21-0 with a 58-yard field goal when your special teams has missed a field goal already and allowed a punt return for a touchdown? There's your kick block, return, six, ball game. Good night, Anthony Lynn and the Chargers. Patriots with another pick of Justin Herbert. 35-0, they got the ball. This game is all but over. And the key to the game has been the Pats' ability to generate a pass rush. I mean, going into this game, they had 25 QB knockdowns. They played 11 games. I'm not a math major, but that's a little more than two a game. That's horrible. In the third quarter, they had eight quarterback knockdowns of Justin Herbert. It's like a third of what they've had all year. I mean, when your defense can finally get after the quarterback, they're gonna cause some turnovers, they're gonna make Herbert as a rookie uncomfortable, and we've seen the result. At this point, game's all but over. Still 35-0, coming into the fourth quarter. Another huge special teams play for the Patriots. 65-yard punt return by Olszewski, gets it inside the 20. And the announcers of this game have just been ripping the Chargers special teams a new one, talking about how they even made a change at special teams a couple weeks ago. 
did a little more research, and while I would describe it as a change, it's really not a significant one. I really don't know what the Chargers are doing here. You demote your special teams coordinator, George Stewart, and you elevate assistant special teams coach, Keith Burns. But isn't the assistant coach learning from the special teams coordinator? Like, what is this assistant coach going to bring to the table that the special teams coordinator hasn't already brought? And the answer is nothing, because the Chargers special teams has been atrocious today to the tune of two huge punt returns, two missed field goals, an absolute mess. The fix to the problem is not just to elevate an assistant. The Chargers really need to change up their special teams leadership. So you know it's a blowout when Jared Stidham's in the game. 45-0 Patriots. Stidham on the day, 2 of 3, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Cam Newton on the day, 12 of 19, 69 yards, and a touchdown. When the Patriots quarterbacks don't have to do too much, they're going to win a lot of football games. Under 100 yards passing back-to-back -back weeks for Newton. We thought going into the game, Cam's a little injured, hasn't looked that great recently. Will we see Jared Stidham? Well, we did see Jared Stidham, just not because Cam wasn't playing that great. It's because the Patriots absolutely ran over the Chargers. 45-0. Stidham on the day with as, almost as many passing yards as Cam Newton. And I think this kind of leaves us with a question which Patriots fans have been wondering, you know? What does Cam Newton actually provide? Could the Patriots win a game like this with Jared Stidham? You know, it doesn't really feel like Cam Newton's the future going forward. Hasn't really been that great this year. And when you throw Stidham in there and he throws a 67-yard pass to Gunnar Olszewski, the most life the Patriots offense has had from a passing perspective all year, it makes you kind of wonder, you know, what this kid has. We've seen some good plays like that, that pass today. We've seen a lot of bad ones, including some of his picks, his first pass ever against the Jets. Earlier this season, he threw a pick against the Chiefs. So we'll see what the future holds for Jared Stidham. But either way, when the Patriots quarterbacks don't have to do too much and they can run the ball 38 times for 160 yards, pass the ball 22 times for 120 yards, they're going to win a lot of games. Shout out to the Chargers for absolutely pooping their pants in this one. Uh, whatever garbage time yards and scores the Chargers get really doesn't matter. The Chargers are now mathematically eliminated from the playoffs and... Pats at 6-6, six and six, playoff hopes alive, it's looking good. Hang time. Wow, so the Patriots absolutely run over the Chargers, 45-0. Hope you enjoyed some of my in-game commentary. I really loved calling that New England Patriots blocked kick return for a touchdown towards the end of the second half. Kind of felt it coming. Chargers special teams had been bad up to that point, and whew, embarrassing. Path to the playoffs is still alive, but it did take a hit. So, Pats are now 6-6, six and six, and they can lose one more game, but it realistically has to be this upcoming Thursday against the Rams, because the tiebreakers are going to come down to your record within the division and the record within the conference. And down the stretch after this matchup against the Rams, the Patriots will have the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills. So if there's one game to lose, it's this Thursday, because a loss in any of the three games following that, in all probability, means the Patriots are out of the playoffs. However... A couple weeks ago, I don't think many people would have thought they had a shot. So, 6-6, six and six, hanging in there. If you're a Patriots fan, you're pretty pleased right now. They win out. They're 10-6. and six, Got above a 90% chance to make the playoffs. Looks like they're in. They lose this game against the Rams. 9-7. and 75-80% chance to make the playoffs. And they're in. If they lose any other game, and they finish 9-7, and seven, that's when it starts to become 50-50. And if they're 8-8, eight eight, forget about it. The AFC is just too good this year. They'd have to leapfrog too many teams. 
I have a feeling at the end of the year, we're going to be talking about one of these losses, whether it's the Broncos, the Cam Newton fumble against the Bills, not being able to execute late against the Texans, and the Patriots are going to be one game out of the playoffs, outside looking in, kind of thinking, as a fan, man, if we just had that one drive back, what would this season have been? It's very interesting because the Patriots aren't the only team to get off to a slow start and climb their way back into the playoff race. They were 2-5, and five, and while most people counted them out, a lot of fans still kind of thought that Bill Belichick might make things competitive. At some point later in the season, the Pats might be able to hop back into it. Everybody had pretty much given up on the Vikings. They were 1-5. Kirk Cousins is like a roller coaster. You love him one week, you hate him the next week. One week you think he's a franchise quarterback, the next week you want to trade him and his huge salary. Nobody thought the Vikings would be 6-6 six and six right now. However, what's not comparable between the Vikings and the Patriots is their talent. The Vikings have elite outside weapons. The rookie Jefferson can absolutely play. Adam Thielen's a beast. Kyle Rudolph is better than any tight end the Patriots have. Dalvin Cook is a dynamic back. The defense, I know it hasn't been good in the secondary, but Daniel Hunter is just a better player than anything the Patriots can roll out there. So it's been really impressive to see what Bill has done with this team, considering the lack of explosiveness and talent on paper they have. It really reminds me of the Colts a couple years ago with Andrew Luck. And they similarly got off to a 1-5 start and made the playoffs. And I think what's different about that team is the credit would go to the quarterback. I don't think we had a lot of confidence in their coach. Their offensive line was letting Luck just get drilled all over the place. And everyone at the end of the year, once they made the playoffs, even though they lost and they didn't go on a great run, looked back at the season and said, man, Andrew Luck is elite. I think with the Patriots, there's not one player. It's going to be Bill Belichick. Give it a couple months. Either way, make the playoffs, miss the playoffs. I think a lot of people are going to be talking about how impressive a coaching job Bill Belichick has done. I talked about this a little in the pregame where I said if the Patriots won this week, the Brady versus Bill discussion was going to come back. And that could never be more apparent than it is today. Just based on the fashion that the Patriots won the game in, an absolute blowout, a steamrolling. They stampeded the Chargers. The Bucks are 7-5. and five, Patriots are 6-6. Six and six. I'm not going to ask who the better team is because that's just a silly question. I mean, really? The Bucks versus the Patriots, who's got more talent? Pretty much every position except for coaching, I'm going to give the advantage to the Bucks. However, who are you more impressed with this season? Because to me, it's not even close. I mean, you look at Brady, and he has weapons all over the field. They should not be a 7-5 and five team. I know a lot of people coming into the year were saying, oh, the Bucks will be 10-6, and 11-5. That was not my expectation. Tom Brady is not a 10-6, 11-5 quarterback. Tom Brady wins 12-13 to 13 games every year. That's what he does. And at this point, if they win out, they're an 11-win team and they don't win the division. I'm sorry, but when's the last time Tom Brady didn't win the division? That's not what Tom Brady does. Bill, on the other hand, we've seen him without Brady. I don't want to go back to Cleveland because I just think Bill Belichick was a different coach 30 years ago. I mean, I wasn't alive 30 years ago. Most people, if you ask them, if they've changed over the last 30 years, a lot of them are going to say dramatically so. However, when Brady went down and they played with Matt Castle and they went 10-6, and six, you had to look at that team and say, okay, I know they had the talent from the 2007 year where they almost pulled off the perfect season, but that's still a really good coaching job. You want to flip the question in the opposite sense. Who's been the bigger disappointment? 
Bill or Tom? Pretty obviously Tom Brady. He was going to Tampa, and they were loading up. People were thinking that it was their division to win. Drew Brees is looking like he's going to retire at the end of this year. He's dealt with a couple injuries. So I think a lot of Bucks fans right now are just underwhelmed with Brady. He's been good against bad teams and okay against good teams, but the Bucks aren't playing at the level they need to be at, and I bet you even Tom would tell you so. Bill, on the other hand, 6-6. Six and six. A lot of people had the Patriots winning six games all year. I thought they'd finish about 8-8. Eight and eight. I wouldn't really call it a huge disappointment. I think at the end of the year, as I talked about, you're going to be a little upset if the Patriots miss the playoffs by a game or two. But if this team finishes 500, that's impressive because just the roster on paper has no business winning more than four games. Mentioned this in the pregame. Thought we might see Jared Stidham. Cam Newton's been dealing with injuries back-to-back games with under 100 yards. The last time a team won back-to-back games where their quarterbacks threw for under 100 yards was 1978. That's over 40 years ago. Football was a lot different in 1978. Beginning of quarantine, I remember I went back and I watched some early football, or what I thought was early football. Going back through the late 1980s, early 1990s, wanted to see Bill Belichick on the Giants. And just a side note real quick, if you haven't seen the job that he did on the Giants, yes, they had some talent. Lawrence Taylor was an absolute beast. But man, anyone who says he does not deserve those rings is flat out wrong. Because I watched that Giants offense, and they had no business beating the 49ers. None. Bill drew up an absolutely masterful game plan. But anyway, if you watch the late 80s, early 90s football, it is clearly a different game. The speed, the physicality, the fact that passing for 300 yards is a big deal. So imagine 10, 15 years before that, what football was like. And that's the last time a team pulled off back-to-back wins with under 100 yards passing. So this is an anomaly for sure. We mentioned this a little bit in the pregame. I was wondering if you were going to see Stidham. Not only has the passing offense been a little bit of a disappointment, but Cam Newton's been on the injury report. And I feel like that's on purpose. Because with the Patriots, they don't like to disclose their injuries. They don't like to talk about their injuries. Cam Newton, if you've been watching him all year, there's been something up. He's throwing the ball short of his wide receivers. It feels like he just puts in way too much effort to throw a deep ball. You watch Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, some of these QBs, it looks like they just flick their wrist and the ball goes 70, 60 yards down the field. Cam Newton, full windup, can get it like 50, and it looks like he's struggling. So something's been up with him all year, and the Patriots haven't said a peep. Now all of a sudden, they're getting back into playoff contention. The offense is still not passing at a rate that they find acceptable. And it was interesting that they put Jared Stidham in at the end of the game. Not because he played, but because they passed the football. I mean, when you're in the game up 38-0, generally you're going to run it on first down, run it on second down, maybe throw on third and long. They came out and went play action on first down. And Stidham put the ball where he had to put it. On the money to Gunnar Olszewski, made a good throw. And he really showed something that we haven't seen as a Patriots fan all year, which is confidence. I'm not going to take too much away from this. At the end of the day, he threw three passes, okay? Let's not get too excited. But in all fairness, any other time I've seen him get his toes in the water, I 
feel anxious watching the game. I can feel that Stidham is just not fully there yet. He isn't fully confident in his ability as a passer, and it shows. In this last game, it was different. He walked on the field. He was making throws. Even his missed throw, he shook it off a lot better. I really liked what I saw, and I wonder, maybe he got some first-team reps this week, and that's why. Regardless, it was just good to see if you're a Patriots fan, because ever since they've drafted this kid in the fourth round, and we've heard about how, oh, he's going to be the future after Tom Brady. Oh, Jared Stidham this, Jared Stidham that. Stid the kid. Stid looks good. Enough, okay? Anyone with eyes has seen that he has not looked good, and he clearly wasn't the future after Tom Brady because they signed Cam Newton, who's played every game this year except for when he was out for COVID. So don't get me started on that one. But he looked okay. He looked confident. And kind of makes me think if Bill Belichick is looking at this team and saying, man, we might have a chance to get in the playoffs. And if I'm down 14 against the Bills or two scores against the Dolphins or even in a couple nights against the Rams if they fall down early and we start to get into the third quarter and Cam Newton has under 100 yards passing again, do I throw Stidham in there? Either way, you had to see something from Stidham before you made that decision. It's one thing when you throw him in there against the Chiefs when Brian Hoyer's just been a bag of poo. It's a whole nother when you put him in against the Chargers when the offense is moving the ball and you're up big. Let him loose a little bit. Let him toss a deep ball. It's not just let's run out the clock and get home. One thing that I've been seeing recently that's just been bugging me has been the hype around Cam Newton's rushing touchdowns. I don't want to diminish it completely because it's not nothing, okay? Adding a rushing element to any offense is huge. You look at Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, even Pat Mahomes, any quarterback that's going to get drafted this year, they can all move a little bit. And you need some mobility just to make defenses think about you a little bit. However, a rushing touchdown, for the most part, is simply as not good as a passing touchdown. And we're at the point where Cam Newton's probably going to finish with about 15 rushing touchdowns and maybe 10 passing touchdowns. At some point down the stretch, a team is going to make the Patriots beat them in the air. They're not just going to let Cam keep running the ball in the end zone. I really like Damian Harris. I don't think the expectation can be for him to dominate the ground game every single week. And when you do fall behind, when you do have to throw the ball on third and long, when a team decides to fill the box and force you to pass, what's it going to look like? It just hasn't looked that great this year. It kind of reminds me of the three-pointer in basketball and a player that gets a lot of criticism, Russell Westbrook. So just hang with me for a second. Russell Westbrook is really good at attacking the basket. He's dynamic. He can find his teammates. Honestly, if I could spend my money to watch any player in person, he's top five. Goes hard night in and night out. You know what you're going to get. But he can't shoot a jumper. And at some point in the NBA, you have to shoot a jumper to win. We've seen it time and time again with Russ in the playoffs. This is similar to football with Cam Newton. It's great that he's running the ball at the way he is. It's not sustainable. And even if he can keep running at the rate he is without getting hurt, at some point, a team is going to force you to win with the pass. And you're going to have to be able to make some plays. And right now, we just haven't seen it from Cam in the air. Now, whether you want to blame the lack of talent around him, that's one thing. But at the same time, most NFL quarterbacks, even with bum wide receivers, 
should be able to throw for over 100 yards. Some things I like today. The pass rush was awesome. Uche, Winovich, Duggar, the rookies showed out on the Patriots' defense. They got pressure on the Chargers on 30% of their snaps. That means that essentially every set of downs that Herbert had, he was getting hit. And it's real tough for a rookie when you're taking the amount of shots that he did. Coming into the game, the Patriots had 41 quarterback hits through 11 games. That's less than four a game. Against the Chargers, they had 11 quarterback hits. They were all over the place in the backfield, just making Herbert uncomfortable. And that really changes up the game. It's pretty obvious because if you look at the other side, the Chargers had two QB hits. If you watch that game, Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, looked pretty comfortable in the backfield. You get pressure after the quarterback, it's going to make any defense look good. I know we talked about it earlier with the Seahawks. Another great example is the Chiefs last year. That defense the first half of the year couldn't get after the quarterback, and no one was thinking that the Chiefs were this tank that could not get exposed. We look at the Chiefs a year later, and what the defense has done in the past 12 months, getting after the quarterback, they look to be unstoppable. Even with the Vikings, horrible secondary. What's been the key to them coming around a little in the second half of this year? They've been getting a little more pressure after the quarterback. However, it does help when you have a good secondary. One of the reasons the Patriots defense has just been formidable this year without a great pass rush is because you have J.C. Jackson, Stephon Gilmore, the McCourty brothers. Duggar is a rookie. Jones can play. They got bodies. There is talent all over the secondary. And a lot of people might not know about J.C. Jackson, but he's a name you're going to want to keep in the back of your head because this dude has some potential. He's played 40 career games and has 15 interceptions. Just break that down. 40 games is two and a half seasons. 15 interceptions divided by two and a half, about six a year. That is impressive. Any other quarterback that had broken into the league and in his first two and a half years had six interceptions would be highlighted all over the NFL. Because it's the Patriots, it stays low key. Because you got Stephon Gilmore on the other side and he's the big name, not everyone's talking about it. And maybe because Gilmore is on that other side, J.C. Jackson's getting all these opportunities where teams don't want to throw at him. On the flip side of that, when Gilmore missed some time with the injury or he wanted to get paid or wanted to get traded, whatever it was, Jackson played well and he kept forcing turnovers. Dude is in the right spot at the right time, knows how to turn his head on a ball thrown deep down the field. J.C. Jackson is a name you want to remember. And the Jackson and Gilmore situation right now really reminds me of when the Patriots started to develop Malcolm Butler behind Darrell Reeves. So, Gilmore clearly wants to get paid. He officially, unofficially held out at the beginning of this year, and the Patriots gave him a bunch of guaranteed money. Clearly, he wasn't happy with the Pats 2-5 and five start. He wanted out of there, wanted to get traded. Patriots couldn't get value back. It was reported that they were looking for a first-round pick and another player, and ultimately, Bill said no. Then Gilmore was dealing with an injury and questions started to come up. Is he dealing with an injury or does he just not want to play? Did he want to be traded? What's the deal here? Clearly, whatever it is, there's some drama going on. And as his replacement, J.C. Jackson's looked good. Now flashback seven years ago, Patriots bring in Darrell Rivas and you know he's going to want to get his money in free agency. Patriots number one corner and Malcolm Butler starts to develop behind him. 
All of a sudden, at the end of the year, the Patriots let go of Revis. Butler becomes their number one corner after that crazy Super Bowl play and becomes really a pretty standout player in that secondary until he was mysteriously benched in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. And that decision will remain as one of the biggest questions in the Patriots dynasty. Why? Nobody knows. Don't know if we'll ever know. But he didn't play. Clearly something went wrong. They didn't want to pay him. Goes to Tennessee. Patriots bring in Stephon Gilmore. So you see this revolving door at corner, and it really feels now that the Patriots are prepping J.C. Jackson for that role. Whether they trade Gilmore this offseason, at the trade deadline, maybe he plays out his contract over the next year and a half and then just leaves as a free agent. He wants to get paid. Patriots aren't going to pay older corners. They're grooming his replacement. And if I can see it, I'm pretty sure he can see it. And that might be why there's been some frustration of late. On the offensive side for the Patriots, they put up 45 points, but a huge part of that was their special team scoring two touchdowns, giving them great field position with another return, and setting the offense up in a position where they really didn't have to do that much to succeed. Let's talk about the big boys, offensive line up front. Patriots got a lot of pressure, but the Chargers line was horrible, especially the interior of their offensive line. Alright, I'm not going to deep dive into their blocking, but if you're just a fan of football and you watch any of these great quarterbacks, one of the easiest ways to stop them is quick pressure up the middle. Get in their face. Knock them to the ground. As a Patriots fan, we've seen it with Brady. Anytime teams get up the middle on him, he struggles. And the Chargers interior line was horrible. I'm not going to talk about the big men up front forever. But it was obvious when you were watching the game and the Pats, who are averaging one and a half sacks a game, are just running through the line. It felt like Herbert never had time to step up in the pocket. That's one thing that Justin Herbert's done really well this year is not only has he been good escaping pressure, but something he's done as a rookie, which is really impressive and a lot of players don't even get a full grasp of till later on in their career, is his ability to move up in the pocket and make plays and when you shut that down whether it was because the Patriots defensive line had a great day or the Chargers interior line play was terrible I think it was a little bit of both it's just really hard to be an effective passer when you face the amount of pressure that Herbert did for the Patriots offensive line as I mentioned Chargers only had two pressures but the right side of the line wasn't great we saw a lot of runs to the left side a lot of passes to the left side Cam Newton, for some reason, doesn't like throwing it right. Don't know what it is. Doesn't like doing it. So we'll see how that develops going forward. But if the Patriots can turn this tide and they can be in a position where they're pressuring a QB 8 to 12 times a game, on the other side, keeping the pocket clean, giving Cam some time, they're going to win a lot of football games. It's always nice to see Nikhil Harry score. It's been a really tough year and a half for him. I don't see much there. And it really brings into question, especially with the success that we've seen from wide receivers in the past two years, what are the Patriots doing at that position? They're the opposite of the Steelers. I feel like everybody that the Steelers touch becomes a stud at the wide receiver position. On the other hand, with the Patriots, they just can't get it right. It's Nikhil Harry one year. It's Malcolm Mitchell, Aaron Dobson. Taylor Price, Brandon Tate, the list goes on. 
Yet, with the Steelers, you got Juju Smith-Schuster, you got James Washington, Chase Claypool, Antonio Brown, even throwback Heinz Ward. I can keep going. It is the polar opposite of the Patriots. So let's take a quick look at that 2019 NFL Draft at wide receiver and just see where Nikhil Harry slots in. So first round, the only pick ahead of Nikhil Harry, Marquise Hollywood-Brown on the Ravens, clearly better. You got Nikhil Harry, end of the first round, pick number 32. Debo Samuel, taking the second, better. A.J. Brown, better. Nicole Hardman, better. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, better. Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella, Colts and Cardinals, they've at least shown a little bit. D.K. Metcalf, not even in the same stratosphere. Deontay Johnson, I like him more than Nikhil Harry. Even Jalen Hurd and Terry McLaurin are simply better players than Nikhil Harry. As the first 12 wide receivers off the board, the Patriots had the second pick, and they arguably took the worst one. This was a one-time thing, okay, but it's a pattern, and at some point, maybe you just start trading for proven commodities. I'm not talking Mohamed Sanu, but if it's Odell, maybe AJ Green wants out of Cincy, bring in a veteran who we know can play. Because it was one thing to say, oh, Tom Brady can't work with the rookies, you know, Tom Brady needs veteran wide receivers. Maybe they just stunk. Maybe nobody can work with those players, because look at Brady down in Tampa with Shelby Miller. Looks like he can bring on a rookie wide receiver. So, wide receiver position as a whole, and really the Patriots draft over the last five years, needs to be evaluated. Can't take it away from Bill, because it's a package deal. You get the coach, you get the GM. He's not always going to be hot in the draft. This is just unacceptable. Can't have it. The Patriots would be in a much better spot right now if they just hit on some of these drafts over the last couple years. Be that as it may, though, Bill's not my GM of the year. He is my coach of the year right now, without a question. You look at the job he's done. If you're Bill Belichick and your quarterbacks have thrown the second most interceptions, your defense is 26th in sacks, bottom of the league in pressures, and you're finding a way to win games, blows my mind. I'll talk about it every week. It was one thing when Brady was there, and people were starting to get tired of this. But if you're a Patriots fan, just for this year, isn't it more interesting? We're not just sitting here with the division wrapped up, 10-2, 11-1, going to the playoffs, first round bye. We're in the hunt clawing to make the playoffs with a team that isn't that talented and Bill Belichick who is just coaching his rear end off. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the content, my first solo podcast. I'll mix these in from time to time. Look out for another Patriots podcast after the matchup Thursday against the Rams. Would be a huge win on national television. Sneaky might even have Drew back. Haven't talked to him since the summer. You know we're always going to get into it. Take care, y'all. I'm out. Ballin' crazy with the hang time.